All right. Well, I told you last week that I was going to make up the time uh, since we were way over last time, and I will hold hold myself to that today. So we're going to be done early. Uh, but we are back in the book of Proverbs, if you want to turn there, uh, looking at what this book of wisdom says, particularly today, about how we should steward our influence over others. Uh, all of us, at some point in our lives, will have influence on someone else. When you're young, uh, maybe it's a, a sibling, especially a younger sibling that kind of looks up to you. Maybe it's a friend. Uh, as you get older and you're an adult, it's your coworkers, it's your family members, it's uh, certainly if you have children, uh, all of those would be spheres in which you would have influence over other people. It may even be in a context like this, in a church, where one person hopefully has influence uh, over others. But all of us, at times, will have the opportunity to influence other people, and with that opportunity also comes a responsibility uh, to influence them well. And so today we're going to be looking at what does Proverbs teach us about stewarding our influence over other people. First, a definition. Influence is the ability to have an effect on the character, development, or behavior of someone else. Now you'll notice that this definition is neither positive nor negative necessarily. Uh, just because you have an effect on someone uh, doesn't mean that it's a positive effect. Uh, sometimes we influence people in negative ways. For example, Proverbs 16 verse 29 says, A man of violence entices his neighbor and leads him in a way that is not good. So this kind of person is a cancer in a community. He's influencing others, but not in a good direction. He's the little bit of leaven that Paul describes, and he says it will leaven the whole lump, sort of like throwing a rotten apple uh, into a bag of good apples. It just taints the whole thing. And so this is the kind of person that uh, Paul, for example, wrote to the church in Corinth and said, if you have somebody like this in your church that cause, is, is causing these sorts of issues, uh, you're supposed to actually kick him out of the church because he's influencing others negatively. He's enticing them to sin. So when we think about influence, it's, it's just the effect that one person has on another. It can be positive, it can be negative, and it can be in many different contexts. Uh, so when you think of something like peer pressure, for example, that is a kind of influence. Uh, that is a group of people that are influencing each other in certain ways. Uh, leadership is certainly a kind of influence. No one's going to be an effective leader unless you are able to influence those under you well. So influence is not necessarily positive or negative. It's not something to run from. Uh, it's also not something to seek for yourself. We'll get to that in a minute. Uh, but rather, influence is something to steward, uh, something to take advantage of and to use properly. And so as we jump into the topic then, we're going to see that Proverbs provides for us eight principles for how we can influence others well. Uh, and first, we'll notice as we go that Proverbs doesn't tell us either to try to gain influence over others or to avoid influence. Rather, it tells us to be the kinds of people who will be good influences on others, even if we're not influencing anyone right now or we don't recognize that we are, or even if it's just one person, maybe two people, maybe it's hundreds of people in your life. But uh, whoever it is that God places in your life to influence Proverbs wants us to strive to influence them well in a life-giving direction. So Proverbs 12, 26, this is where we'll, we'll really begin on this topic. Proverbs 12, verse 26 says, One who is righteous is a guide to his neighbor, but the way of the wicked leads them astray. 
Uh, this should be what we're all striving to be, the first part of that. I want to be a guide to my neighbor, someone who leads others in the path of wisdom and not someone who leads others astray. And so as we're studying Proverbs over these next several months, we're not just trying to become wise in our own lives. Of course, that's where it starts. But hopefully these principles of wise living will have an effect on our lives and the lives of those who are under our influence. And so the first principle we learn on the subject of influence is focus on your own character development and become the kind of person that would be a good influence on others. This is where influence, influencing people well begins. Focus on yourself. Focus on growing yourself, your own character development, and becoming the kind of person that would be a good influence on others. Whether you want it or not, whether you're seeking for it or not, you at some point in your life will have influence on someone else. And also, whether you're aware of it or not, you may be influencing someone else. You may not think you have influence over anyone. You may look at someone else who has natural leadership abilities and you think, oh boy, they have all sorts of influence over all of these people. I'm just not like that. Uh, nobody really cares what I think or what I say or do. I don't have influence on other people. But I would point out you may very well be wrong about that. You may be influencing people without realizing it. But either way, instead of trying to figure out how you can have more influence and grow your influence over more people, uh, basically, Proverbs is telling us, forget about that. Instead, focus on developing yourself, your own character. Make sure that you're the kind of person that if someone were to follow you, they would be headed in a good direction. You can either be a righteous guide or one who leads others astray. And so the question is, how? How can I be a good influence on those around me? Uh, whoever it is that God has given me influence over, how can I steward that influence? And the first principle that Proverbs provides for us in this is to make sure we ourselves are walking in the right direction, uh, regardless of whether we see anyone following us in that path. You cannot lead others well without being righteous yourself. Next, Proverbs teaches us that to influence others well, we must learn to listen to correction. Proverbs 10, verse 17. Whoever heeds instruction is on the path to life, but he who rejects reproof leads others astray. So the person who learns to heed instruction, who listens to correction and receives it, he is on the path to life, and thus he is someone who can influence others well and lead them to the path of life. But the one who rejects reproof or correction, that kind of person will lead others astray. And so the second principle that Proverbs teaches us is that we must learn to listen and humbly receive correction before we try to influence other people. A lot of people today want to influence others, and it's really just a form of arrogance. Uh, people, especially my age, will set up social media pages and call themselves influencers. That's kind of a common uh, term these days. Uh, just because they've got, you know, a few hundred followers on their Instagram or whatever. And often they set themselves up as influencers, but they really don't listen to anything that anyone else says. They want a microphone. They want a platform. <clears throat> they want everyone listening to them, but then they don't take correction or instruction from others. Proverbs is telling us not to be that kind of person. <clears throat> Before you try to influence others, 
Make sure that you yourself are listening and humbly receiving instruction and correction from outside sources. Before you can be a good leader, learn to be a good follower. Before you can speak to others well, learn to listen well. Next, Proverbs 27.17. This is a proverb we're going to return to next week, but just to mention it briefly here. Proverbs 27.17 says, Iron sharpens iron, and one man sharpens another. This is what wise friendship looks like. As we're seeking to influence others well, the third principle is this. Your goal in influencing others should be their benefit, not them liking you. Okay, so Proverbs says, iron sharpens iron. That's supposed to be a picture of wise friendships. We ought to be sharpening people around us. That means the effect that I have on others' behavior, character, and development should be improving them. And that means necessarily, at times, saying things they don't want to hear. Telling them things that may sting in the moment, but is for their ultimate benefit. If you just want people to like you, if you want people to be impressed with you, then you're not really trying to influence as much as you're trying to be influential. Again, often when we talk about influence, it's really a form of arrogance. Uh, We want a crowd, we want people listening to what we have to say. We're not actually trying to benefit those people. And this proverb is telling us, basically, it's not all about you. Uh, You should be thinking about them. How can I sharpen them? How can I help and benefit them? And if you're truly seeking the growth of others who are under your influence, at times, that means you'll have to sacrifice your own popularity in order to truly help them. We ought to be the kinds of influences on others that they're sharpened by spending time around us. Not just that they like spending time with you, but that they're actually improved by it. Again, more on that verse next week. Next, Proverbs 13, verse 14. The teaching of the wise is a fountain of life that one may turn away from the snares of death. At times, you may have an opportunity or even a responsibility to teach others. Uh, Obviously, I have this sort of more formal responsibility to teach here on a regular basis, uh, but it doesn't have to be like this sort of a setting. Certainly, if you're a parent uh, with children, you have an obligation to teach them, to guide them. Uh, When you give advice to someone, a friend, a relative, uh, that is a form of instruction, that is teaching. And this proverb is telling us that if we're wise, our instruction to others will be a life-giving fountain. And the rest of the proverb explains how. So the teaching of the wise is a fountain of life that one may turn away from the snares of death. So this is how we instruct others in a life-giving way is by warning them against potential dangers in their life. And so the fourth principle that proverb gives us in influencing others well is to guide those under our influence away from things in their life that bring harm. So as you get to know someone and you see they're headed in a dangerous path, they're headed in a direction that's going to hurt them long term, uh, you as a good influence ought to speak up. Uh, They may despise you for it now, and maybe years later, they'll recognize you were the only one who really loved them enough to tell them the truth, to warn them about a danger in their life. All of us, when we have the opportunity to instruct others, ought to be guiding those under our influence in life-giving paths. And so again, just like the principle of sharpening others, at times this is difficult. 
Uh, it's hard to be a good influence. It's very easy to just sort of be a listening ear and uh, be friendly towards someone. It's much more difficult, but much more loving to warn them of potential dangers in their life. Next, Proverbs 15, verse 7. The lips of the wise spread knowledge, not so the hearts of fools. Now, this is kind of building off of where we started, but the principle here is that we must study to be wise ourselves so we will have wisdom to share with others. As we said at the beginning of our study of the book of Proverbs, wisdom isn't something that's inherent. It's not something that comes from inside of us. We are all born simple. We're all born lacking wisdom. And so wisdom has to come from outside sources. And the ultimate source of true wisdom is God himself. So it follows then that if we're going to try to influence other people in our life toward the path of wisdom, we ourselves need to be growing in wisdom. Now, I feel this keenly as a teacher in order for me to have anything of value to teach to other people. Uh, I need to be reading and studying and growing myself. But really, that's true of all of us. As we've said already, we may be influencing people and not even realize it. People that are in your life uh, that you interact with on a regular basis and you don't even know the impact you're having on them. And so all of us have the responsibility to seek wisdom, uh, not only for ourselves and for our own benefit, but so that we can guide others better. Uh, here's how the, the NLT helpfully translates this proverb. The lips of the wise give good advice. The heart of a fool has none to give. People who spend time with you should gain wisdom as a result. That is part of how we sharpen one another. But that depends first on all of us seeking wisdom ourselves. And so this again just provides uh, another reason that we ought to be seeking after wisdom. One of the main themes in Proverbs is that our whole lives we should be seeking to grow in our learning and our understanding and our wisdom. Read Proverbs over and over. Pray and ask God who is the ultimate source for wisdom. Read and listen to people who are smarter than you, so you can constantly be learning. Only as we ourselves are growing and learning can we influence others well. And this is why people say often readers are leaders. Those who are pursuing knowledge and growing themselves become the kinds of people that others want to listen to. Next, Proverbs 16, verse 21 through 23. The wise of heart is called discerning, and sweetness of speech increases persuasiveness. Good sense is a fountain of life to him who has it, but the instruction of fools is folly. The heart of the wise makes his speech judicious and adds persuasiveness to his lips. So you notice twice in those couple of verses that wise people are said to speak persuasively. And not only do they have wise things to say, instruction that would be good for others to hear, but they say it in a way that can be received. And what makes the speech of the wise person persuasive is found in verse 21 there. Sweetness of speech increases persuasiveness. And so the sixth principle that we learn about influencing others is that our attempts at sharpening others will be more effective if we learn to speak as a friend. Part of being able to instruct and influence others well is learning how to communicate in ways that others will respond positively to. So learning to be persuasive. Kindness, gracious words are crucial to accomplish this. In other words, the person that you're trying to influence needs to know that you're their friend. 
uh, that you really have their best interest at heart, uh, that you care about them, that you are friendly towards them. Along the same lines, Proverbs 22, verse 11 says, He who loves purity of heart and whose speech is gracious will have the king as his friend. This proverb is telling us how to have influence even over influential people. Uh, here's how you can have the king as your friend. And this proverb says, have integrity and speak graciously. Love purity of heart. In other words, don't be a hypocrite. Be consistent throughout your life. Uh, let people see that you are the same person all the time, that you're not two-faced. Be honest and consistent. And then learn to speak graciously. Two more principles before we wrap things up here. Proverbs 23, verse 26. My son, give me your heart and let your eyes observe my ways. So principle number seven for influencing others well is to make sure that you are living consistently with your own advice. Here in Proverbs 23, a father is speaking to his son. He's trying to influence his son to walk in the way of wisdom. And he tells him, observe my ways. Look at my example. Uh, look at the way that I have lived my life and follow my path. If you're trying to influence someone, but you're not following your own advice, don't expect them to take anything that you say too seriously. Uh, here's another way that Proverbs puts it in chapter 26, verse 7. Like a lame man's legs, which hang useless, is a proverb in the mouth of fools. The fool doesn't understand the proverb. He hasn't implemented the proverb. He can't even explain the proverb. He's just sort of repeating something that he's heard. No one is going to listen to the wisdom of someone who's not actually living it out in their own life. One last proverb, chapter 25, verse 15. With patience, a ruler may be persuaded, and a soft tongue will break a bone. People don't grow at the pace you want them to whether we're talking about kids or, frankly, even adults. And so as we're trying to influence other people well, the final principle that Proverbs provides for us is simply to be patient with the people that we're trying to influence. Influencing people takes time. And so as you're following all of these principles and maybe not seeing immediate results, you're not seeing the growth in people that you hoped that you would at this point, Proverbs encourages us to continue anyway. Be patient, be consistent, and God will use you greatly in the lives of other people. Uh, as is so often the case in the book of Proverbs, we see Jesus uh, demonstrating these principles of wisdom perfectly. Uh, first of all, he himself was sinless, and so he was always a person who was a good influence on those around him. He was willing to humbly listen and learn before he tried to influence others. You read the early accounts of Jesus' life, and what you see is him submitting to his earthly parents. You see him sitting among the uh, religious leaders, asking them questions. Luke 2 says he grew in wisdom and in favor with God and man. Jesus, as a boy and even as a young adult, was learning before he started influencing other people. Jesus, as an influencer on others, was always seeking their benefit. At times, he said things that were hard, difficult things for people to hear, and yet it was exactly what they needed to be told. Many times, Jesus displayed this great patience and grace towards those that he was correcting, offering a gentle rebuke that would be received. And of course, Jesus always 
lived consistently with his own advice. He modeled throughout his life what it looks like to live wisely and in the fear of the Lord. And after about three years of influencing a group of people, Jesus left behind a handful of followers that he had so influenced that they went out and changed the world. Fishermen who were so impacted by the life and teaching of Jesus that they became preachers of the gospel and gave their lives in service to their king. And as Jesus trained and influenced them, he then sends us as his followers out to continue that work. Uh, Matthew 5, verse 14, Jesus said, You are the light of the world. A city set on a hill cannot be hid, nor do people light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a stand, and it gives light to all in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others so that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father who is in heaven. And so Jesus commands us as his followers to go out into the world and be a shining light. We should be influencing our communities to give glory to God. Uh, Paul picked up on this idea in his letter to the Philippians where he writes, Therefore, my beloved, as you have always obeyed, so now, not only in, as in my presence, but much more in my absence, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. For it is God who works in you, both to will and to work for his good pleasure. Do all things without grumbling or disputing, that you may be blameless and innocent, children of God without blemish in the midst of a crooked and twisted generation, among whom you shine as lights in the world. Notice in that section where Paul begins, he starts off by telling the Philippians, Obey. Let God work in your life so that you're living according to his good pleasure. And then, only as you're living in obedience to the Lord, will you be able to shine as lights in the world. And so our influence on the outside world begins with us personally allowing God to work on our own hearts and in our lives. Not only are we to influence the world around us, but as a church, we are to influence one another. This is one of the main reasons uh, why God set it up this way, that we would gather as a church that would be in community instead of just uh, living the Christian life by ourselves. Hebrews 10 verse 24 says, Let us consider how to stir up one another to love and good works, not neglecting to meet together as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another, and all the more as you see the day drawing near. This is the effect that we as a church ought to be having on one another, stirring each other up to love and good works, encouraging one another. We as a church ought to have that kind of influence on each other. And so as we close today and move into our time of prayer, let me encourage each of us to consider how are we influencing those around us. If someone were watching your life, would the way that you live and the way that you speak and your behavior influence them in a positive or negative direction? And how might we work on our own character, our own spiritual growth, in order to be better equipped to be the shining lights that God has called us to be in this dark world in which we live? Let's pray together.